this is Joe and TJ with another episode of our One Thing series. Our desire is that our One Thing series truly helps you to lead better and grow faster. Every month on our podcast, we feature a great guest always on the topic of leadership and we blast it out to you from the schoolhouse302.com. Thank you, TJ. Please share this with other leaders you know that are looking and craving to get better. Thank you. So here we are with our guest, Kaylee Klemp. Thank you for being here, Kaylee. Welcome to the show. Thanks so much. I'm happy to be here. This month, we are focused on the importance of motivation and how we can be our very best. So we're very fortunate to have our guest Kaylee with us on the podcast. This podcast features a great leader who provides key insights into our leadership topic of the month. And this month, we wanted to dive into deep motivation, uncover what drives people and really how leaders can harness that power. TJ and I have been inspired with your books, uh, particularly the 13 Guidelines for Effective Teams is what introduced us to you, and really your work in general. So much of your work speaks to leadership, motivation, performance, all topics that we love. So with that, TJ, why don't you tell our audience a bit more about Kaylee? Sure thing, Joe. Thanks for that intro. Our guest this month is Kaylee Klemp. Kaylee Warner Klemp is a sought-after facilitator, speaker, and coach. She's an expert in small group dynamics and leadership development. She leads off-sites to help teams end drama and instead communicate and interact in ways that achieve their strategic objectives, even in the face of challenging circumstances. Kaylee is an Enneagram specialist helping organizations outperform their competitors by unlocking a deeper understanding of what motivates and drives people. A favorite with young presidents organizations, forums, and chapters, Kaylee has facilitated retreats for more than 300 member and spouse forums throughout the world. Kaylee is the author of 13 Guidelines for Effective Teams and a co-author of The Drama-Free Office and The 15 Commitments of Conscious Leadership. She's an avid athlete, spending time skiing, hiking, mountain biking, and practicing yoga, and you know we love that. Kaylee lives in Boulder, Colorado with her husband and daughter. Okay, Kaylee, let's talk about this idea of teamwork, effective communication, deep motivation for successful environments. We also love your TEDx talk about change. You make a profound claim that a lot of the feedback doesn't lead to change despite our very best efforts to give it. You say that we shouldn't focus on change, but rather growth through awareness and appreciation. Our question today is how can leaders help their team grow through effective communication while remaining aware of the unique talents and differences of their employees? We want to hear anything that you might say for our listeners about leadership, motivating your team, and creating genuine change. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for the intro. And as you know, I love all of these topics, motivation, change, leadership, growth. As I was thinking while you were speaking, the umbrella, I think, for this question is a bit about unlocking leadership performance. And I think that a place that I would start there really is with guidelines. And the reason that's so important for performance for change is that it creates a safe environment that once a group understands and really knows and shares, hey, this is how we roll. This is how we operate. 
it opens up a little bit more room for candor, for communication, for feedback. So in some ways I think about something like the 13 guidelines for effective teams as being a foundation, something that you can build on. And it doesn't have to be those 13 guidelines specifically, it's a great place to start, but I think asking a team to have a conversation about what agreements do you wanna make with each other? What guidelines will help you show up more effectively? It starts to A, have them reflect a little bit and B, it makes that environment safe. Once you have that though, I actually, I think one of the primary keys to unlocking leadership performance is self-awareness. And that's kind of an abstract term. And I know that it's in some ways, it's a popular topic these days. I think that the ability to reflect on myself, to see myself more clearly, and to get curious about ways that I can grow, I think, I think that allows a lot of growth. So couple things that I think about in terms of self-awareness, I think a lot about, do I know how I'm showing up in a situation? And in the 15 Commitments of Conscious Leadership, we talk a lot about the distinction between content and context. So the idea is the content of a conversation might be a tool for a leadership or might be the 13 guidelines specifically, but the context is how are we talking about that? Are we having a conversation in a space of curiosity, a space of openness, or are we having a conversation where one person is defending their work and the other person feels like they're on the attack? And the self-awareness piece there is, do I even know that that's the way I'm showing up? So it's fun for me when I'm on offsites with leadership teams to have people just reflect on if all you had was like the court recorder who were writing down the words that were being said, how much they would miss because they don't get to see the tone. They don't get to see the, in, the voice inflections. They don't get to see the nonverbal communication. And in some ways I think that I can operate in that way with myself. It's almost like all I know is my intent behind and the words that I'm saying, and I can miss all of the ways, all of the context around how I'm showing up. So those two pieces I think are, are really valuable. Number one, do you have shared guidelines? Number two, do you have some self-awareness? Am I able to see how I'm showing up in a situation? And that I think gets to this question of motivation. And you were speaking in the intro that a tool that I absolutely love is the Enneagram. And it's a personality system. So anybody who's done the Myers-Briggs or the Berkman or the PI, there are lots and lots of different personality profiling systems out there. The reason that I love the Enneagram is because it's the only one I know of that really speaks to this question of motivation. So why? Why am I doing this behavior? And why is this other person doing this behavior? So there's a sense of, you know, watching somebody do something, there was an instance where there was a person who they were just, they were trying so hard to make something happen and they were raising their voice and they were really pushing on something and everybody else around the room had sort of disengaged and back to that self-awareness. I'm not sure that, that person knew that that was what was happening. And when I checked in with them about, well, what were you trying to do? They said, well, I was just trying to get engagement from the people in the room. Like, well, was that working? Well, no, but the intention was good. 
And it, once everybody in the room really understood like, oh, they were, they were just trying to be a catalyst for conversation. Once they got the motivation, so much more was possible. So I've thrown kind of three things out there, the guidelines, self-awareness, and the Enneagram, which I can certainly talk more about if you're curious. I'm going to pause for a second. Um, what, what questions do you have about what I said thus far? Yeah, that's phenomenal, Kaylee. I, I like how you really um, put into perspective self-awareness, content, and context. I think that helps leaders quite a bit to figure out what's our tools, yeah. but then really um, how are we talking about that? What does it look like? I think that's powerful. Yeah, if you would, um, it would be great to hear this a little bit more about the Enneagram. One thing that really comes to mind is with motivation, you know, the story you just provided us, you know, it took you to step in mm -hmm. and let that individual know what was going on. And then for the um, community kind of, you know, of sorts to understand what was happening. When you're not there, when you're not around to salvage that, I could see that going bad quick. And we've all experienced that. Is there ways that we as leaders, people, et cetera, whether, you know, personally, professionally can give ourselves that check to say, you know what, I'm not sure I'm operating in the right context right now that I want to is, yeah. does that make sense? And um, how can we take steps towards that as, as leaders and people really? I, I love the question because the way that I'm hearing it, you're really combining beautifully the idea of context, right? How am I showing up? Am I showing up at my best or am I showing up at my worst? Is my intention to be helpful as a, for instance, being received as helpfulness and care, or is it being received as control and suffocation? So I think for people who might not know, you know, all nine types of the Enneagram by heart and know all of the behavioral cues, et cetera, I think step number one is mostly self-curiosity. Can I wonder what in this conversation is triggering for me and how am I reacting or how am I responding? Did I get defensive? Did I get triggered? Did I make that mean something that it might not make? Um, or make it mean something that isn't necessarily true. So I, I think one is get curious about yourself and your own reaction, which is really that context. And then two, I think one of the things I love about the Enneagram is that each type, so there are nine types in the system, has a, a central desire, a central motivator, and they're all good. So I'll run through them really quickly and People who are interested, I love the Enneagram Institute. I actually, I have a course about the Enneagram that I can point people to. But if all you remember is some people, so type eight, the challenger is motivated by strength. The type nine, the peacemaker is motivated by peace. The one is motivated by goodness. The two by care or by love. The three by value. The four by depth the five by wisdom, the six by security, and the seven by joy and freedom. If I only remember those nine words, and I wonder to myself, gosh, could this person be in pursuit of something really good like wisdom or peace or security? And the strategy that they're using is just backfiring. Even if I don't know their type, 
it gives me a little bit of empathy and a little bit of perspective where I can pause for a second and give some benefit of the doubt. So I think, you know, ideally, you know, you learn the whole system and everyone on the team is able to speak to his or her own type and act from a place of their own self-awareness. If that's not the case, we're saying, gosh, I'm listening to this podcast and that sounds kind of cool. Learn those nine words and wonder what could be behind this. That's, that's great, Kayla. I like how you just flip that though also, not about just ourselves, but how we can then um, perceive others and give them the benefit of the doubt and our situations and the context they're, they're operating in. Um, before we move into our five one thing series, what would be the best way? And we can link into show notes or in, in, our, in our site to start really discovering the Enneagram and digging more into that. What would be like a great first step? A great first step would be to take the $12 test at the Enneagram Institute website. So it's just enneagraminstitute.com. They have a test. It's $12. So I think pretty reasonably priced. And at the end, it gives a whole report where you can just start to get curious about, oh, wow, that, that is really accurate about how I show up or, huh, that, that doesn't fit me. I wonder what's living in my blind spot. Um, and then if you want in the show notes, if you love what you read and want more, then if you go to courses.kayleeklemp.com, there's a whole course that describes the Enneagram system and then has a deeper dive into each of the nine types, not only the motivation, but some of the behavioral patterns. If you are this type, how to bring out your best. If you're working with or partnered with someone of this type, how you can use empathy and awareness to also enhance that relationship. Thank you so much. That's incredible. We appreciate that. We'll link it all. Um, and we know people will dig into it. Our listeners uh, love that type of information and growing and getting better. So with that, let's move to our five one thing leadership questions. This really is a way to benefit our, our listeners um, to give them insight from you about just those, those one things that can make a difference in their life. So who is one person or group who you follow for either knowledge or inspiration and where could we find them? So I thought about this question and my first answer is Nate Klemp and the best place to find him is on LinkedIn, but he's my husband. So I think that perhaps <laughs> I'm overly biased. I will say I find his tips on integrating mindfulness really helpful because they're about everyday moments. Um, I, I find it really useful to think about that rather than 20 minutes on the cushion or, you know, an hour on my mat exclusively. But if that's too much in the family, I also, I love Oprah's super soul conversation. Uh, I just, I find she has great guests and I'll say anytime Brene Brown writes a book or shows up on Oprah, I, I read it or I listen. You're not the first person who's mentioned Brene Brown. That's awesome. So we would love to have her on the show and, and Oprah as well. And we'll link back to all of those folks. Awesome. So thank you for that. And, um, what about Brene Brown's work are you super jazzed about? What, 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 what makes you want to um, watch her on Oprah? Uh, what I love about Brene Brown is that I think she opened up the conversation about vulnerability in the first place. That I think she made the most compelling and articulate case for why it's valuable to share about ourselves, why it's valuable to take down some of our armor. And I've really seen people 
shift from framing vulnerability as something really bad and scary to be able to cite all of the research that she's done about the quality of connections that are possible when people are willing to be vulnerable. So I, I, I think that's amazing. And she continues to build on it. Um, her most recent book, um, or at least the most recent one that I've read, we're talking about braving the wilderness. I found really compelling where she was talking about, and I'm probably not going to say this exactly right, but you can't hate up close. And so especially in this time where I find there can be a lot of polarization, I love the idea that if you are vulnerable with someone, if you really know their story, it's really hard to hold a black and white view and negativity toward them in any sort of similar harsh way. That's fantastic. Um, I think we've had a guest bring up Dare to Lead in the past yeah. as well. So That's another one of her books. Yeah, super excited to hear about that. So thank you for sharing. Our next One Thing series leadership question is, what's one thing that people should try to do on a regular basis that might make the difference in their day or life? I would say create space. And in particular, go offline. And ironic because we're on a podcast right now, but I think turning off a phone, going outside or being in quiet, whether by yourself or with a close relationship, I find for myself personally that space is where all of my best ideas happen. And that when I can be just with a person without any digital medium between us, there's a quality of connection that's different. And then when I'm by myself and there's some space, there's, you know, my phone is off, et cetera, there's a different quality of presence. And that I think is something that is more of a felt sense. But gosh, I think if, if everyone had a moment or a practice of space, we might be able to engage with one another differently and lead with more centeredness. And Kaylee, you, you mentioned with your husband, the mindfulness, do yeah. you find it hard to disconnect? We, we've had this exact conversation with people that just find it difficult. They, they experience the same benefits in which you just described, but almost feel a level of anxiety when they're yeah. not tethered to their phone. So yeah. is there a way to break that? I, that you know of or well, I'll tell you, I'll tell you what I do and whether it's a best practice or not, I'm not sure, but I leave my phone behind, not for huge long periods of time, but two hours every week. My husband and I have a ritual where we drop off my daughter at my grand, you know, at her grandparents' house and she has breakfast and we go for a hike and we go wearing yak tracks in the snow. We go when it's beautiful outside, but the practice of leaving the phone behind allows me to do it because I, I get it. I, I can feel guilty if I'm not on my phone or not being responsive or not on text or whatever it might be. And just having that intentional break where I can't cheat because my phone is a trail away lets me do it. That's great. Thank you for sharing that. Um, I, it's funny, but people love hearing just those practical ways. And I love how you said it's a priority. It's intentional. Um, our third question, what's the one thing that you want to know or be able to do that you don't already? Well, so in some ways, I think it's, I wish I knew how to do the opposite of what I just described. So how to balance digital with a human touch? 
because I think it's amazing that we're able to have this conversation you know, through a computer over Zoom, you know, however many miles and time zones away from each other. And I think that there's something that's lost without the human touch. And so I would just, I would love to know how do we create engagement and use technology in a way that keeps us connected rather than creates that, that distraction that we were just talking about. I'm just curious as a follow-up to that, do you think AI is going to do a better job of that or, or worse for us as human beings? It's such a good question. I, and I think it's an open question because I think, you know, I, I spend a lot of time traveling and it's been really interesting to me to look around the airport and people are traveling quote unquote together, but they're both on their digital device and they're talking on their phone, but they're talking to Siri or Alexa or you know, whoever the digital interface is. And it makes me think of that movie, Her, with Joaquin Phoenix, where he falls in love with his operating system. So <laughs> I think that AI is cool. And I don't know. I, th I think jury's out on whether or not it, it helps or hurts us. Yeah, it, the jury is out. I've, just, I've heard some reports that say it's going gonna, it's gonna to force us to be more creative and be more connected to other humans because of what the AI work is going to accomplish for us. So it's just, it's a, it's a, it's going to be a wonderful thing, but it's also a little scary. You know, I, I wonder to that end, how much of it is the way that we choose to engage with it. So as a, for instance, you know, I'm thrilled that I do not hand wash all of my clothes that my washing machine makes that sort of an outsourced fast process. That's sort of the machine version of AI is going to do a bunch of things. So we don't have to do that work, but how do we reallocate that time? Does that time become creative connective or does that time become more time that I scroll my social media feed. Yeah, you go into the black hole. Totally. It's, it's tough. We talk yeah. about that all the time. Um, so next question, what's the one thing that led to or continues to support your growth as a leader that others might be able to replicate? And you've talked a lot about um, some growth strategies and self-awareness and mindfulness and, um, and, and reading. Is there, is, there, is there one more thing that you can share with our listeners that, um, that you use for your own growth? For me personally, having a coach is invaluable. So my coach is a guide, my coach challenges me. And I think you can certainly do that in a professional way, or I think that you could engage a friend or a peer where you just set aside time where it's clearly distinct from, hey, we're just hanging out with one another to say, hey, would you be willing to coach me on leadership? Hey, would you be willing to coach me on how I'm motivating my team or how I'm empathizing? And the, the intentionality around coaching, I think, is really helpful and additive toward, you know, in addition to reading, self-awareness, all of those space, all of those practices. Yeah, that's powerful. Kaylee, do you have any advice if, if somebody was to look for a coach professionally how do, how would they go about doing that? I know that might sound, you know, like a, a almost like a too simplistic of a question, but I ask that because if they simply go online and that's a right. unknown to them, yeah. Like, how do you scrutinize the qualifications? Did you like lean on some friends that were also um, in that world 
Like, how should they go about that process? Because I can see that just being a wormhole. Yeah. And I'm not sure who to, to actually select. I think that's a really, really good point. Um, I think in some ways, word of mouth is a really excellent resource in the sense of Google, I think, is not the authority, right? Who has the best <laughs> SEO is not necessarily the best coach. I think if there's a system that you're interested in, so as a, for instance, if you're interested in the Enneagram, there are people who are certified in the Enneagram. If you're interested in conscious leadership or the 15 commitments of conscious leadership, there are coaches who are certified um, through conscious leadership forum or the conscious leadership group. So I think it's in some ways finding a group that you're interested in. In some ways, it really is that friend referral reference um, and, and reputation. But it's a really good point. I don't think there's a great sieve in the online world. I, I hesitate because I don't know how many emails I'll get, but if someone's really looking for a coach and they have a specific ask, um, reach out to me. I can hopefully point you in a direction. Awesome. Thank you. Appreciate that as well. Yeah, I think I'd even see that as being that blend between the human touch and digital. Yes. Um, where, where digitally, I, I could see that being powerful as well. Um, yeah. Reaching out to somebody across, just like this, we're on opposite ends of the country. Yeah. So it's great. Mm-hmm. Our, our final question, uh, it's, a, it's something that we really appreciate and, and love the responses. What's one thing that you used to think that you don't think anymore? I used to think that limits were real, that there was some end that you absolutely couldn't get past. And I now have had so many personal experiences, experiences with my clients where something initially seemed impossible and then happened. But now I think I believe that even more than I can imagine is possible. Very cool. Did anything um, prompt that to shift your thinking or did it just evolve over time? I think it's been the evolution over time where you know, if it happens once, I was like, yeah, I mean, everybody gets lucky every once in a while or, oh, that could be a fluke. But at a certain point, there were so many limiting beliefs that were keeping people from having something that they wanted or accomplishing a dream or fulfilling something that they had always, you know, thought about, you know, that all of a sudden I started to wonder if instead of believing in the limit, if we believed in the possibility, what could happen and over time the evidence continues to show up in my world that, that that's more true than what I used to believe. All right. That was fantastic. A lot of great strategies there, simple things for certain. And that's always the key. We always say that leadership might be complex, but it doesn't have to be complicated. Kaylee, is there anything else that you would like to add today for our listeners? No, I think that that frame is incredibly valuable. So as I've been reading your blog and listening to the other podcasts on Schoolhouse Zero Two, I think the idea that you can take something that isn't necessarily easy, but break it into steps that are simple and practices that you can really do sort of the one thing, I think that's awesome. Because if you can break it into bite-sized pieces, then maybe that is why more is possible than I used to think. Well, there you have it. Thank you for that. Another great podcast. Don't forget to follow our blog, theschoolhouse302.com for blog posts, podcasts, and video blogs all on the topic of leadership. And we hope you enjoyed our One Thing series with Kaylee Klimp on how 
leaders can have self-awareness, motivate others, find space, use mindfulness, and just one more thing for the bite-sized stuff that we all need as leaders. Thank you very much, Kaylee. It was great having you here. I love the conversation. Thanks, TJ. Thanks, Joe. Thank you.